Welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. On today's episode, we'll go over the topic of colorectal cancer from the oncology section on MedBullets.com. Let's start this episode with a clinical snapshot. A 66-year-old man presents to his primary care physician for a routine exam. He reports a change in his bowel habits and notices his stool is penciled in. He also endorses an unintentional 15-pound weight loss over the course of one month. His father died of colon cancer when he was 65 years of age. Physical examination is notable for tenderness upon palpation in the left abdomen. Colonoscopy is notable for a colonic mass in the descending colon. Now, let's get into the episode. As a quick overview, colorectal cancer describes malignancy affecting the colon or rectum. Most colorectal cancer arises from an adenomatous polyp. With respect to epidemiology, the incidence of colorectal cancer has decreased due to improved screening practices, for example, colonoscopy. As far as demographics, colorectal cancer is typically seen in patients greater than or equal to 60 years of age, and men are more affected than women. Risk factors include hereditary syndromes like Lynch syndrome, otherwise known as hereditary non-polyposis colorectal cancer, familial adenomatous polyposis, and MYH-associated polyposis. Other risk factors include environmental factors, such as diets high in animal fat, and inflammatory bowel disease, such as ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. Another risk factor is cigarette smoking. Pathogenesis can involve the chromosomal instability pathway or the microsatellite instability pathway. The chromosomal instability pathway includes APC-slash-beta-catenin gene mutations, a KRAS mutation, and P53 and DCC gene mutations. So the chromosomal instability pathway involves APC-slash-beta-catenin gene mutation, KRAS mutation, and P53 as well as DCC gene mutation. The APC-slash-beta-catenin gene mutation is the initiating event in adenoma formation, which leads to the formation of an aberrant crypt foci. The KRAS mutation leads to unregulating intracellular signaling, resulting in adenoma formation. Finally, P53 and DCC gene mutation results in tumorigenesis and invasive cancer. Finally, moving on to microsatellite instability pathway, this involves mismatch repair genes, where abnormal methylation or mutations leads to cancer development in patients with Lynch syndrome and certain sporadic colorectal cancers. Associated conditions with colorectal cancer include Streptococcus gallolyticus, which was previously known as Streptococcus bovis. Although rare, colorectal cancer can present with this bacteremia. Moving on to presentation, the clinical presentation of colorectal cancer depends on the location of the colorectal cancer. Symptoms-slash-physical exam findings warranting colonoscopy include the following. So in asymptomatic patients, these patients can be found to have colorectal cancer upon routine screening. Change in bowel habits are typically seen in cancer affecting the descending colon. Rectal bleeding is typically seen in rectal cancers. Other findings warranting colonoscopy include rectal or abdominal masses, Unexplained iron deficiency anemia, secondary to gastrointestinal bleeding, which is typically seen in cancer affecting the ascending colon. Other findings warranting colonoscopy include malaise, unintentional weight loss and fatigue, age greater than 50 years old, and sudden as well as unprovoked deep venous thrombosis. Moving on to imaging, colonoscopy is indicated to visualize the colonic mucosa and obtain a biopsy from the colonic mass to establish a histologic diagnosis. This is the gold standard for evaluating for colorectal cancer. The screening method in low-risk patients is to screen at 50 years of age and continue performing every 10 years. In the setting of a first-degree relative with colon cancer, you will screen at 40 years of age or 10 years prior to the relative's age of presentation. 
For patients who do not want to undergo colonoscopy, other screening options include a fecal immunochemical test, or FIT, which assesses for occult blood in the stool. Other options include a computed tomography colonography. The differential diagnosis for colorectal cancer is diverticulitis. Differentiating factors between diverticulitis and colorectal cancer is that diverticulitis will have inflammation of the diverticula. As far as treatment for colorectal cancer, treatment is geared towards the staging of the malignancy. Surgical resection is performed in localized disease and is typically given with adjuvant chemotherapy. Complications of colorectal cancer include colonic obstruction, bowel perforation, and metastasis. Now the common sites are to the liver, lung, peritoneum, and the brain. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 68-year-old man presents to his primary care physician for fatigue. He is accompanied by his granddaughter who is worried that the patient is depressed. She states that over the past two months he has lost 15 pounds. He has not come to some family events because he complains of being too tired. The patient states that he tries to keep up with things he likes to do, like biking and bowling with his friends, but just tires too easily. He does not feel like he has trouble sleeping. He does agree that he has lost weight due to a decreased appetite. The patient has coronary artery disease and osteoarthritis. He has not been to a doctor in years and takes no medications except acetaminophen as needed. Physical examination is notable for hepatomegaly. Routine labs are obtained and are as follows. Leukocyte count is 11,000 per cubic millimeter. Hemoglobin is 9 grams per deciliter. Platelet count is 300,000 per cubic millimeter. Mean corpuscular volume, or MCV, is 75 cubic micrometers. And serum iron is 35 micrograms per deciliter. An abdominal ultrasound reveals multiple hypoechoic liver lesions. Computed tomography of the abdomen confirms multiple centrally located hypoattenuated lesions. Which of the following is the next best step in management? And the choices are 1. Citalopram. 2. Colonoscopy. 3. Fine needle aspiration. 4. Fluorouracil, leucovorin, and oxaloplatin. And 5. Surgical resection. The correct answer to this question is 2. Colonoscopy. So the patient is presenting with fatigue, weight loss, iron deficiency anemia, lack of adequate preventative screening, for example colonoscopy, and imaging that reveals multiple liver lesions. This is suspicious for hepatic metastasis, and the next best step of management should be a colonoscopy. Hepatic metastasis can present asymptomatically or with symptoms relating to malignancy such as fatigue and weight loss. Some patients may have abdominal pain or symptoms relating to the site of primary malignancy. Diagnostic approach should start with imaging such as computed tomography or CT. On CT, liver metastases often present as multiple hypoattenuated lesions. Evaluation following confirmation of multiple liver lesions should be focused on determining the primary site for the lesions. One of the most common primary malignancies for hepatic metastases is colon cancer because the colon's blood supply drains to the liver. Signs consistent with colon cancer include iron deficiency anemia, melana, and hematochesia. If colon cancer is suspected, a colonoscopy should be performed. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 1, citalopram is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, or SSRI, that can be used to treat major depressive disorder. This patient's symptoms are more consistent with malignancy. Answer 3, fine needle aspiration, or FNA, can be considered in order to biopsy a liver lesion, but workup to determine a primary site, such as the colon, should be completed first. FNA comes with risks of bleeding and seeding of neoplastic cells. 
biopsy of a potential colon lesion is often easier and more accessible. Answer four, fluorouracil, leucovorin, and oxaloplatin are options for systemic chemotherapy for liver metastases, either preoperatively or for lesions that are unresectable. However, workup to determine a primary site for malignancy should be established prior to starting treatment. And finally, answer five, surgical resection may be an option for liver metastases, but investigation looking for a primary site for malignancy should be attempted prior to surgical management. To leave you with a bullet summary, patients who present with hepatic metastases and findings concerning for colon cancer should be evaluated with a colonoscopy. And moving on to the final question, a 65-year-old man presents to his primary care physician for a yearly checkup. He states he feels he has been in good health other than for minor fatigue, which he attributes to aging. The patient has a past medical history of hypertension and is currently taking chlorothaladone. He drinks one glass of red wine every night. He has lost 5 pounds since his last appointment 4 months ago. His temperature is 99.2 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.3 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 147 over 98 millimeters of mercury. Pulse is 80 per minute. Respirations are 14 per minute. And oxygen saturation is 99% on room air. Physical exam reveals an obese man in no acute distress. Laboratory values are ordered and are as follows. Hemoglobin is 9 grams per deciliter. Hematocrit is 27%. Mean corpuscular volume is 72 cubic micrometers. Leukocyte count is 6,500 per cubic millimeter with normal differential. Platelet count is 193,000 per cubic millimeter. Serum sodium is 139 mL equivalents per liter. Chloride is 101 mL equivalents per liter. Potassium is 4.3 mL equivalents per liter. Bicarbonate is 25 mL equivalents per liter. BUN is 20 mg per deciliter. Glucose is 99 mg per deciliter. Creatinine is 1.1 milligrams per deciliter. Calcium is 9 milligrams per deciliter. AST is 32 units per liter. ALT is 20 units per liter. And 25-hydroxyvitamin D is 15 nanograms per milliliter. Which of the following is the best next step in management? And the choices are 1. Colonoscopy. 2. Counseling for alcohol cessation. 3. Exercise regimen and weight loss. 4. Iron supplementation and 5, vitamin D supplementation. The correct answer to this question is 1, colonoscopy. So this elderly patient is presenting with anemia without an obvious cause, which mandates workup for malignancy, in particular colon cancer with a colonoscopy. Colon cancer in elderly patients can often present with vague symptoms, including fatigue and a microcytic anemia without an obvious or specific sign. For this reason, an elderly patient presenting with a new-onset microcytic anemia should be worked up for colon cancer, which could be causing a subclinical bleed, causing the microcytic anemia. Colonoscopy is the diagnostic test of choice to search for colon cancer. To quickly go over the incorrect answers, answer 2, counseling for alcohol cessation is not necessary for this patient, as one to two servings of alcohol has actually been shown to be mortality-lowering. Answer 3, exercise regimen and weight loss would certainly benefit this patient in particular for his hypertension, but is less dire than a colonoscopy in the setting of a new microcytic anemia. Answer 4, iron supplementation treats this patient's microcytic anemia but fails to address the underlying and potentially fatal cause of anemia in this patient, which is colon cancer. And finally, answer 5, vitamin D supplementation is appropriate given the patient's low calcium and vitamin D level. However, it is a less dire intervention than is a colonoscopy. To leave you with a bullet summary, microcytic anemia in an elderly patient mandates workup for colon cancer with a colonoscopy. That's all for this review about colorectal cancer. Hopefully that was helpful. 
This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session by MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on MedBullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the MedBullets website or mobile app while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.